Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. i got the whole crew with us, Kip Adams and Bolt, coming to you on this Wednesday afternoon. Been a little bit since we recorded and a little bit of news in that time. So we're going through another busy off-season at this point. We're closing in on February and a lot to talk about as we go through an off-season and really count down the days until we get to the start of spring practice there in March. Well, guys, let's go ahead and jump into what was the biggest news just before the weekend. Former Alabama safety Caleb Downs picks Ohio State. A lot of buzz around Georgia, and I speak for myself. I think all two of you would agree uh, that we thought that Caleb Downs was going to pick Georgia when it came down to it. Decides to sign with the Buckeyes instead. 
I'm going to start with you, Kip. What do you make of how this situation played out? And, you know, how big of a miss is this for Georgia not being able to land Caleb Downs the second time they tried recruiting him? I know that a lot of the initial reaction from fans was can't lose what you never had. And, and I get it. But you can't really approach the transfer portal as anything other than uh, an extension of recruiting, which means it's a chance to improve your roster. There's no difference between, um, you know, what happened with Caleb Downs and what happens on signing day with, with any other recruit. So the initial reaction is it's a big loss for, for Georgia just because you're not going to get the chance, the opportunity to add an All-American safety very often. Those don't those don't become available. That's why this was such huge news. It took the greatest coach of all time retiring, basically, for this guy to be out there and available for other teams to recruit. Um, so in that in that uh, viewpoint, it was big uh, because Georgia had a chance to really kind of plug and play. Because I mean, obviously, you're losing Javon Bullard to the draft. That that's a big uh, spot there for Georgia to fill. Uh, we we thought you know Thursday felt as good as he can feel. And I think Georgia did too, you know, meeting with him and, and his family, no reason to feel why, you know, that they weren't going to have Caleb Downs on their roster. And without us getting really down in the minutia of NIL, Ohio State came in there and went, you know, off the top rope, so to speak. And for us, as we're trying to cover something like that, I guess really the only uh, signs we had this might not go Georgia's way is one uh, you the longer it, it took you knew that okay it's not that you know Georgia would want this thing to be over as quickly as possible because they had that momentum second you have multiple hours of radio silence um, you know for on our end and then also on Georgia's end that's not a great sign when you're trying to get someone enrolled and in classes you know everything is at an accelerated pace and not hearing uh, from that camp for a while, uh, that's a sign that maybe everything's, you know, not going your way. But in the end, like I said, for Georgia, you go into spring camp with this roster and you have, you know, some options at safety. Uh, but just speaking at, with this specific recruitment, it was a loss. It was a, you know, big get for Ohio State. Uh, but Georgia moves on just like any other recruitment. Kip hit on the biggest thing for me as we were watching that process go out. The longer we went without an announcement, you just sort of wondered what exactly is going on here. And as we saw, it wound up being Ohio State there at the end. Uh, ben, give us your thoughts. You know, what did you think of how this situation played out? And, and Kip talked about it a little bit there, but just what you make of Georgia's safety position, knowing that they aren't getting Caleb Downs. Well, I'll echo really two things that you all hit on to Jordan's point. Like, I think it was a surprise given how it trended from when he entered the transfer portal through the end of the week. It really felt all Georgia all the way until very late uh, in that process at the end of last week. So I think that there was a lot of surprise that he didn't end up at Georgia. I think to what Kip's point, 
was about it all. It was a big loss. Like you can't downplay the fact that you were going to have a chance to have a safety room or a starting safety group. That was Malachi Starks and Caleb Downs. You can make the really strong case. Those are the two best safeties in college football going into next season. So it would have been a rare opportunity for you in the safety room. Now, all of that said, and we say this every time we talk about recruiting misses or losses, Georgia's not really at a point that one individual player is really going to have this wholesale impact on the roster. I mean, yes, it would add depth. He would have been a plug and play starter for Georgia. But when you look at Georgia's safety room going into the 2024 season, I mean, they already took a safety in the transfer portal. They obviously have young up and comers. And I saw Ja'Cory Thomas, for instance, mentioned, I think, I think he sent something out on Instagram being like, I feel like the whole Georgia fan base forgot that I exist. And it's like, that is part of being at Georgia is when you're not on the field all the time, sometimes people do forget about you, but you're working behind the scenes. And Georgia has a lot of those guys that I think have a chance to play going into the 2024 season. These will be big springs for them, obviously. So I think really you sort of put the Caleb Downs thing in the rearview mirror and turn it towards what does this room look like going forward? Because he is going to Ohio State. He's not going to be at Georgia. There's a possibility that you see Caleb Downs in the future, but it's a much less likelihood than what you were expecting over the next two years. I mean, you were probably expecting to run in to Caleb Downs in Atlanta, you know, in Tuscaloosa this upcoming year and in Atlanta each of the next two years. Like that's what your expectations are. And now, you know, he's not as much part of what you're going to have to deal with year in and year out necessarily, even though there's obviously the likelihood that you run into him. So I think that for Georgia, the safety room is still a great room. I mean, Malachi Starks is still there. There's still a lot of guys that have gotten work early in their careers. I just don't know, you know, how much you should expect out of them compared to a guy like Caleb Downs, because Caleb Downs is an All-American. He was all freshman. He, You could make the case that Caleb Downs was the best safety in America this year as a true freshman at Alabama. And so, you know, that's a loss per se, but I think Georgia's safety room will be just fine. I want to make sure and mention the name that I don't believe either of you have said yet, and that's K.J. Bolden. You know, think about at the end of December, he decides to sign with Georgia a five-star on his own. You know, he's not proven like Caleb Downs was. You know, I, I think it's silly, and I don't think any of us have done this by downplaying, you know, oh, not getting Caleb Downs. Um, but it's not the be-all, end-all for Georgia. You'll have K.J. Bolden in there. Should have Dan Jackson back. I think he'll have a chance. Uh, to settle in there and and may you know I'd put out my depth chart I guess that was a couple of weeks ago at this point and had Dan starting alongside Malachi but they've got good options him David Daniel Sisavon guy that I think they've really pushed to improve with his coverage because his hitting ability is not a question I think they call him the hitman um, for the way he plays he's just got to grow and uh, you know try to take advantage of what is a real opportunity but. Um, yeah, again, Ben said what I think sums this situation up very, very well in that at Georgia at this point, missing out on one recruitment is not going to derail things. Would you like to have the former five-star, uh, you know, guy that as a freshman led Alabama in tackles? I remember seeing a stat that said that was the first time that's happened since at least the 70s, and I think even going further than that. Uh, yeah, you would take that. Uh, but as Ben said, you miss out on him, and he's not going to be at Alabama. At the end of the day, uh, you'll take that, and maybe we see him in the college football playoffs uh, this coming season, and maybe we don't. Uh, but it's one of those recruitments you get into for good reason, and uh, Georgia just wound up missing out on him.
We're going to take a quick break, come back, and dive into what these last few weeks have been like for the Bulldogs coaching staff going out and recruiting, trying to shore up what promises to be really good signing classes in 2025 and beyond. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, guys, January is a very important week when it, a very important month, I should say, when it comes to recruiting. Got to get out and get some FaceTime, get to know some of the players in the upcoming signing classes. And Georgia's been busy. You know, there was that one day that uh, that whole staff was out there, probably covered 100 schools with all the different stops they made over the course of the day. Uh, very important trying to uh, develop and establish those relationships with recruits in the 2025 class and beyond. I'll start with you, Ben. Uh, what have you made of these last few weeks for the Bulldogs? Has anything in particular stood out to you as they get out and, and stay busy on the recruiting trail? Well, I think this is a huge relationship building month. I mean, this is the month where coaches are going to get out on the road. You don't see Kirby Smart out on the road very often, obviously, and he's out on the road almost you know, every single day throughout the entire days throughout the week during January. And so I think, you know, you mentioned it, the first day out initiative that they had, they're trying to hit a hundred different schools. I mean, that was setting a tone in the state of Georgia. And so I think really these last few weeks have been about, prioritizing guys that are probably going to be coming on visits. I think you saw, and I've written about some of them over at dogs 24 seven as well. But when you look at the guys that were on the junior day visit on January 13th, which was really an exclusive invite, Georgia wanted the guys that they really wanted on campus for that event. A lot of the stops that Kirby smart made immediately following that were to go see people that were on visits for that junior day. I mean, he, they went to go to see Isaiah Gibson's basketball game and they dropped at Mason Shorts High School after he had decommitted from Alabama and just been on a Georgia visit. You know, they went by to see Christian Gass, who I just wrote about this morning, and that they made sure that they were prioritizing people that they had just seen on their visits on January 13th. They wanted to go see, swing by their high schools and, you know, see them. I think what you're now seeing is they're looking at a lot of folks that were, are going to be on visits coming up 
on the February 3rd visit. I mean, yesterday they went to go see Zion Grady in Alabama. They sort of did their Alabama tour. I think they're going to probably do the same with some of the bordering states, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, over the course of the next several days. And so it's giving Georgia the opportunity to build those relationships. Now, that's really more the Kirby smart side of things. The position coaches have been out and about, you know, all over the place, Texas, some of their more hot spots that they're for, more familiar with too. So it's not just to say that it's the bordering state areas, but Kirby smart obviously is trying to build those relationships around. I think he's doing a pretty good job of that. I think as you're following recruiting, the two things to look at are, you know, what have you learned from the people that were on recruiting visits January 13th? And then what can you sort of expect from those that are going to be on February, which they're going to have a really good list of recruits there as well. I think the interesting, the most interesting storyline that everyone would probably be most curious about is the quarterback position in the 2025 class. And when you look at it, they had Ryan Montgomery from Ohio on a visit last weekend. Um, they've got Matt Zollers from Pennsylvania that's coming on a visit this upcoming weekend. And then Julian Lewis, who everyone knows and will be asking the most questions about on February 3rd. Those are really, to me, right now, the top three quarterbacks that Georgia is pursuing in the 2025 cycle. I think when you get out of the February 3rd recruiting weekend where you've met with Julian Lewis and his family and been able to have those conversations with everyone, you start to say, all right, how who are we going to prioritize? How do we let these respective prospects know where they kind of fit in our assessment of the quarterback position because it's a difficult situation to be in. I mean, Georgia really has to take a 2025 quarterback now at a time when they once thought they might not take a 2025 quarterback when they were going to take two in 2024. So it's a really fascinating position group for Georgia, but Georgia being Georgia is in a pretty good spot with all of that. The fact that you have, you know, two guys of Ryan Montgomery and Julian Lewis's caliber coming on campus this month and then someone that they've clearly evaluated out of the state of Pennsylvania that they really, really like and want to bring on campus pretty quickly just to see, you know, where they fit into things. So, you know, interesting position group to follow because that's one that will probably be figured out sooner than a lot of the other position groups that, you know, dive, dive a little bit deeper into the summer. Kip, what do you make of the position that Georgia finds going into really the 2025 class, but even past that, and has anything stood out to you with what we've seen in this uh, month of January when it comes to uh, what they've done on the recruiting trail, the different places they've been? I find it fascinating just talking about that quarterback position and what Georgia does this cycle because we've already got a projection for Georgia to land the number one overall prospect in the 2026 class, Jared Curtis from Nashville. And there's a scenario where he makes his decision maybe before some of these 2025 quarterbacks. He seems to be somehow a little bit ahead of the process. So I'm really fascinated just to see, you know, whether Georgia really wants to know where they stand with some of these other 2025 guys, because you also just have to continue to evaluate and, and think about, you know, what about Jared Curtis? Where is he on our board? Where would he be on our board if he was 2025? They have to make that decision, obviously, at the most important position. For me, uh, you know, right now looking at this 2025 class, I mean, it's really about two positions for me. It's it's that wide receiver position, you know, continuing to get Travis Smith on campus. Uh, you know, they continue to impress him and his family. Things are looking good there. I want to continue to see a momentum in that scenario. Saw another, you know, a recent offer go out to another in-state wide receiver. It's, it's really promising for Georgia, just the fact that, 
that position uh, along with both lines of scrimmage seems to be stacked this cycle. So uh, they offered, I believe, Jamari Bryce from Cartersville, um, a guy that's, you know, put up big numbers the last two seasons, looks to be really athletic. They like what they see from him. Um, you know, again, targeting the in-state wide receivers. Uh, it looks like the edge position is the other one I'm really focused on just because you bring in one guy uh, in the 2024 cycle and Quintavious Johnson, who could ultimately end up at other positions as well. Uh, you really need to focus on that position again, just like the 2023 cycle when you brought three. I think that's what you had to do in, in this cycle. So uh, getting Jared Smith on campus, going and, and seeing him, you know, immediately after that big for Georgia. Any, you know, any minute now, Kirby and his coaching staff could be landing, you know, in North Carolina to see Bryce Davis. That's really one that George is just going to continue to push there. I think he ends up leaving the, the state of North Carolina when all is said and done. That That's a big time target for Georgia as well. Those are kind of the, the two guys right now. I think George is going to take three. Uh, ultimately, you know, who the third one is if if they're able to land those two they'd obviously be ecstatic but you know a guy like isaiah gibson obviously zion grady's going to be involved as well uh but i think that's kind of the position where you really want to kind of load that position room and stack it because if you saw the transfer portal of this offseason so far we talked about it if there's an edge out there georgia go after them well guess what there, there wasn't an edge those guys don't go in the transfer portal. Uh, that's probably where the you know NIL retention uh, cap is really high. These schools are making sure we're keeping our defensive linemen, we're keeping our edge guys on our roster, we're doing whatever it takes. We might not be adding anybody. That's because we kept those guys at home. And I think that's why it's really important for Georgia to load up you know, at the high school level so they could have guys in that position room moving forward because right now, it's it's kind of top heavy. You got, you know, the three guys in one class, one guy that could ultimately grow into another position possibly in the last cycle. You need to continue to bring in two and three guys every cycle. So I think that's arguably one of the most important positions in this recruiting cycle for Georgia. As Kip said, those edge rushers do not grow on trees. So you try to get them and hold on to them. A lot of teams have been very successful at that. Guys, before we turn the page from college football, I wanted to make this point because I think you guys will be as alarmed as I was when I saw this. So last Thursday was January 19th, 2024. Can either of you tell me the significance of January 19th, 2025? Be the night before the national championship game. I believe it's the national championship game when, when that will take place. And I just cannot, you know, we talk about it on this podcast all the time. This calendar, can, can you guys imagine if Georgia makes the run? I mean, just how long, not only us as the riders, but these players, these coaches, um, something's got to be done, I believe, with the calendar because that is just absurd to go that far into January still playing games. You got to go week zero, but also think about it from this perspective, like transfer portal. I mean, like, can you imagine Georgia's players, you know, having five days after today uh to enter the transfer portal or you know again the rest of college football just kind of waiting for that five-day window as well because they've already you know all uh set their rosters and they're all just waiting to see uh i think that just that's just another reminder that right now uh that aspect has to change as well i mean we we kind of saw it with alabama i know that none of the people watching this show or shedding a single tear for for Alabama and, and what just happened with their roster, but I think it does prove that this calendar is a joke as it is, um, and we're we're having guys, 
you know, at the end of January, making transfer portal decisions when, you know, enrollment time is like, you know, weeks gone. So I, I just think all that signifies is that the football season needs to be pushed back, but also the transfer portal window. I don't know what the answer is, but this isn't it. Ben, you got any thoughts? Oh, yeah, I've voiced my opinion pretty clearly on how much I think the calendar is ridiculous. I mean, I, I think that what I the uh, where I stop short of just going crazy about it is like I've never heard anybody, even the smartest football people I know, come out and say, like, this is how it would fix the calendar. And so I think that that's part of the problem is there is a issue with the calendar and a lot of the things that go with it. But nobody really knows how to change it that'll work for everything. I mean, you and we've talked about this previously, but I mean, you got to be thinking about academic windows. You have to be thinking about the transfer portal, about high school recruiting, about the national championship runs or just the playoff, the playoff games in general. You have to think about the contact periods and dead periods for the 2025 cycle and how all of that comes into play when you start looking ahead and recruiting. And it's, it's all a mess. And I just don't, I mean, I don't want to sit here and be apocalyptic, but like, I don't know if there is a great calendar fix for the situation as it currently is, unless you just completely overhaul the entire thing. I mean, I think this all revolves around coaching changes. So I think one way to maybe improve it would be to give a hard deadline on colleges to be able to like make coaching changes, uh, not just head coach, but position coach you know, uh, penalize them, do whatever you can to try to eliminate coaches. I mean, obviously, we, I, I made the joke about, you know, signing day. The next day was the, the coaching transfer portal, and it, it rings true. We saw movement, I mean, including at Georgia, forcing all of those decisions to be made earlier could still help the transfer portal at least become a, a December, you know, calendar issue and not a January calendar issue. And I think that's that's really the, the only way you can actually put, you know, an actual hard deadline is, is to start with, with the coaching staffs because they're the ones that kind of uh, create this entire effect as we just saw in Tuscaloosa. And I don't want to be like an old man yells at cloud totally on this issue, but the growing thing that I hear from high school coaches, like I hear this every single day from high school coaches, that their players, and this is not just the caliber of players that are end up at Georgia, but their players are not getting recruited because college staffs are going to the transfer portal. And I just think that like this goes beyond just the calendar issue in general, but like the fact that high school recruiting is being directly impacted because the calendar is out of control. Coaches are overworked as well as they're paid. They're overworked to be able to sustain it. What's easier, sit in your room and watch film on someone that you have good film on from the college ranks or actually get on the road and build relationships around in high school recruiting. So it really has all of this has directly impacted what high school recruiting looks like, which obviously is near and dear to, to me. But I uh, I just think that some of it has to be fixed. I mean, I this is, again, a side tangent on the transfer portal, but I've been wondering. I'm curious to get y'all's thoughts on this because we know transfers are only going to become more and more permitted. Like we've seen the rules have only changed more and more where guys can transfer 
multiple times now with no restrictions. And there are legal reasons for why that's being ruled that way. And so because of that, you're not, we can't, there's never going to be a scenario where guys are not able to be leaving and creating all of this roster management chaos. You know, we're not gonna be able to diminish them from being able to do that. What I, and I don't want them to be able to either, but my thoughts on it are, in like Chinese basketball, there's like restrictions on how many guys from America can be on the team. Or in like the MLS, they have certain like percentage of rosters rules for the salary cap and things like that. And I didn't know if you all believe that there would be a scenario where you could have a percentage of roster that is a transfer part portion of your roster. And if you've gone, you can't go beyond that limit. So that's like basically not preventing players from entering the transfer portal, but it's for preventing teams from exclusively building their rosters through the transfer portal, thus forcing high school recruiting to pick up as well. I'll jump in first just because when you first brought that up, talking from the high school coach's point of view, that's what I immediately went to my head was there should be a cap. Now, what should that cap be? Should it be a percentage of your roster? Should it be you know, just a, a hard cut number that you can't get more than this? How do grad do graduate transfers? Does that number change? You know, do you have to differentiate between the two? It would be something to decide, but I would be for it personally, you know, putting a hard cap because at this point, you know, we don't have that limit where you could only sign 25 high school kids like there used to be. And, you know, that was put into a to place because teams would oversign and then try to gray shirt or try to get, you know, try to manipulate uh, the roster numbers. But yeah, I'm for it because I think that if you do that, you don't limit the trans the the guys who want to transfer. There's still plenty of options, and even two that kind of gives those guys an idea of how much they're valued by their new team. By them saying, "Look, we only get say eight. We only get eight transfers, and we want you to be one of those guys." You know, they have a pretty good sense of how much they're valued, and that they're walking into a situation where they may be involved and may get to play a role right away. Uh, Kip, what do you think about the idea? Here are my thoughts. What if you're only allowed to add via the transfer portal the exact position of play, like players that left? So if like a quarterback leaves, you can only add a quarterback. And if that quarterback left because you have a stacked depth chart, then you're probably not going to be able to add another quarterback because no one's going to like that situation. That's got why the player left. I, I think – if, if you cap it position-wise based on the departures, because that's actually how it began. Whenever the, the first year of the transfer portal, however many players you had depart, that was how many incoming um, first-year counters you could add like over the 25 limit back when that existed. You know, So if you had five players leave and you, you could sign 24, then you could technically bring in 29. Um, so making it, you know, just position based, if you have three defensive linemen leave, you can bring in three defensive linemen. That way you're just replacing roster uh, loss attrition and not just trying to stack your roster and free agency. Then maybe it curbs these teams just being as aggressive because they'll be like, well, that guy left because he was the seventh defensive end. Um, we're not going to be able to get a number two defensive end with our current depth chart. Uh, and then for the high school aspect, it's kind of going to fix itself in two years because I think technically we have two more years of super seniors. So the the pool of transfer uh, players will ultimately in the next two years 
get back to basically where it is, where if even if a team is adding three players via the transfer portal, technically that means there's three more spots available in FBS overall college football for high school players. At that point, you're you're kind of competing against FCS transfer ups. That's where kind of the number still is a situation where maybe, you know, that's been affecting the spots. And at the same time, I, I know I see all the high school coaches tweeting about it every week. Oh, their guys are getting overlooked. But a lot of your guys are, are those FCS guys who are now getting a chance to move up that you coached and, you know, were initially mad they didn't get D1 looks. And now they're getting the D1 look. So I, I still think, again, Still yell at the cloud. The system still needs to be fixed. But, uh, I mean, I don't think the system's ever not been broken. So uh, we're going to continue. I mean, the, the, none of these changes are, are – they're rarely made, you know, for the student athlete. Uh, so uh, let's just keep tweaking it and find some new things to get upset about. But at the end of the day, uh, the game is still amazing, and then that's really what counts. I wanted to make sure before we got out of here, Ben was right. It is the 20th, uh, not the 19th next year. I was looking at a graphic for the year after that. So kudos to you, Ben. You, you get points. I award you points. The, the host really let you down there. No, that's all good. I, I'm glad that my brain, you know, got something. I'm, I'm over here. This way you can't have me on podcast because I'm over here coming up with ridiculous transfer portal fix ideas that are unrealistic. And that's why I need Kip over here to reel me in every now and again. Buddy, that's what the offseason is all for, especially a podcast in the offseason. Uh, let's do a quick Georgia men's basketball minute. Georgia is now 13-5 and five on the season, 3-2 and two after a 105-96 to 96 loss in Rupp Arena on Saturday to then number eight Kentucky. Uh, just could not stop Kentucky. Shot very, very well. A big Z for the Wildcats makes his debut, and, I mean, it looked like something out of 2K. They could not stop him. Antonio Reeves had another big game, but, hey, a lot of credit to Jabri Abdur-Rahim as well as Silas Demery Jr. They played really well. I think uh, Jabri ended up with 34 points. Uh, so to have lost in the fashion they did, still impressive. They ended that game on a hot streak, only lost by nine. Really looked like it was going to get ugly in Lexington. Georgia plays LSU on Wednesday night, 630 in Stegman Coliseum. I believe that game is on SEC Network. Another one that Georgia really needs um, an LSU team that's looking really good. Coming off a loss at Texas A&M, uh, but that Tigers team is really dangerous. Uh, Georgia needs to take care of uh, business on its home court as they try to keep up. And what looks like another really, really deep uh, SEC, which is no surprise to any of us. Uh, before we get out of here, guys, I want to do a little bit of NFL talk. Uh, let's look to the conference championship games. Start with the NFC, the 49ers and the Lions, AFC Chiefs and the Ravens. I'm going to start with you, Kip. Do you have rooting interest on either side of those two games? And who do you think winds up getting in the Super Bowl? Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah, obviously, um, I think most Georgia fans are probably going to be, you know, rooting for the Ravens, right? I mean, you got a couple of coordinators there with, with, with Georgia ties and Mike McDonald and, and Todd Monken and goodness, uh, that team looks incredible. Um, betting against Patrick Mahomes is like, even last week, everyone was like, well, the bills are going to get them. This is the week. Cause, uh, this is the year. Cause this is a, you know, a vulnerable chiefs team on the road for the first time in the playoffs. And he just wrote the next, you know, chapter of his story again, just, 
sending Josh Allen, uh, you know, home and defeat. I, I still think the Ravens team uh, is, is stronger from top to bottom. I like the Ravens in that game. And the Lions 49ers game is, I mean, that's going to be fun, right? Uh, you, you, you look at Dan Campbell's team and it's like, what, what are these guys doing here? Um, but absolutely enjoy watching them play football. Um, and I still don't think the Kyle Shanahan team can get it done in the big stage. I don't trust them. Uh, I, I, I think the, the Lions pull the upset here, even though I, I'm sure they're not. I mean, they're probably um, a touchdown dogs would be my guess. Um, but I, I think the Lions have just shown in the playoffs. They're, they're hard and they're testing. They don't care. Um, just, you know, better get against them at your own peril. I, I think that's the team that, uh, just seems like, you know, they're they're not worried about it, and I I would like to see what happens when this 49ers team sees a little bit of a adversity, especially on defense. And so, um, now, Jared Goff is not a guy that you know th- this will be a definitely a new chapter in his story if he's able to make big plays when the team means it m- most. But uh, I also think Jameer Gibbs is just on fire right now. I think uh, I think he's a guy that's going to be a household name. This is kind of that, uh, you know, showcase game for him when all the lights are going to be on Christian McCaffrey. I think he's going to be the guy that comes out, you know, with everyone talking about, like, who is this guy? And also a reminder that, uh, yeah, the Falcons took a running back uh, in the first round of the draft too, but I, I – I think Jameer Gibbs has been the one that's looked a little bit better in games that actually matter. So that's where I'm at in both games. Um, Look forward to, again, the Ravens putting on the show and then um, both of those coordinators interviewing in Atlanta again. Uh, Jameer Gibbs just from up the road in Dalton, so that only makes it worse. And, hey, I got to say, Lions as the team of destiny is something I can totally get behind. Ben, what do you make of uh, the two conference title games? I'm personally an NFL conspiracy theorist, so I've seen the logo that has the purple and the red on it, and I fully believe that it's Ravens versus 49ers. It was always going to be Raiders, Ravens versus 49ers. Um, I'm with you all. I don't think I don't think anybody who's a sports fan would be disappointed in the Detroit Lions winning the Super Bowl this year. I mean, that would be one of the more feel-good sports stories that I think most people could get behind. They're a fun team. I think Dan Campbell's an incredibly likable guy. And the distance that he's come from his opening press conference, where I think he was sort of the laughing stock, and there were jokes about him on the internet throughout the course of that day because of some of his comments there, to the fact to the point now where it's like, I don't know if any football team NFL team plays more for their coach than the Detroit Lions play for their coach, which is kind of wild at the professional level. Um And then to Kip's point, you know, I I think that if the Ravens win, you've got Todd Munkin winning a championship three years in a row, which might be a bittersweet for some folks. But then Roquan Smith, I think, is another guy that people would like to see win a championship, too. So the the Ravens are probably the Georgia fan favorite, if I were to guess. I think the Lions are the team that everybody would be happy with. But that probably means it'll be the 49ers over the uh, Ravens in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm going to say that uh, that's what the matchup is, is the Ravens 49ers. Definitely rooting for the Ravens and definitely rooting for the Lions. I'd like to see Detroit break through. Um, I can't say that I can picture much Detroit Super Bowl talk that does not involve the Madden video game. So it's nice for that kind of change of pace. And that, folks, is how you do an NFL segment without mentioning the Kansas City Chiefs. Beautiful. This is exactly how we planned it. Uh, Also, before we get out of here, let's give a shout out 
uh, to a damn good dog, Q, who passed away uh, on Tuesday, 10 years old. I believe he was the winningest uh, UGA ever. Definitely part of a couple national titles. Uh, so we'd be remiss not to give a shout out to the big dog and, uh, and uh, share our appreciation for uh, what was a great UGA to get to watch for, for several years. We will wrap up the podcast right there. I appreciate Kip and Ben for popping on. Thanks to everyone who listened to this live. Everyone who is listening or watching it after the fact, be sure to go to Dogs 24-7. Subscribe, sign up, get to a chance to follow all the recruiting news that is coming in the next few weeks and months, and gear up because spring practice is just right around the corner, and it'll be here before you know it. Uh, also, go to Dogs 24-7 on YouTube. Right now, it's a lot of men's basketball coverage, Mike White press conferences, player interviews. But again, once we get to March, it'll be Kirby Smart press conferences, player interviews. And in addition to those basketball videos, you've still got all these podcasts. So for Kip Adams and Benjamin Wolk, I am Jordan Hill. Until next time, take care, everybody.